Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Today, we're sharing our conversation with Dan DeLaw, Associate Professor of Accounting at Colorado Christian University in Lakewood, Colorado, and in a former role of founding partner of TaxOps. We discuss why there has been a decline in the number of enrolled students studying accounting, what that means for businesses, and the future of the accounting profession. Well, hello, everyone. It's another episode of Saltivation. We have a special guest host with us today. Tram is here in place of Judy, and we're going to kind of pivot a little bit and talk about um, maybe not so much super tax focus, but some related pieces. And so Tram has very relevant kind of insight into that for, you know, our conversation today with Dan DeLaw amongst his accolades. He was a founding partner of TaxOps. So Dan, thank you for being with us today. Well, you're quite welcome. I look forward to the discussion. Yeah. And so you have seen it all. You were big four, EY, you know, came to TaxOps, founding partner. Um, And then you went in-house, did huge international tax for a very, very large, well-known company. And now you are in academia. So what are um, some of the highlights you would say from your accounting background that have shaped your views as a professional in all of those capacities? First thought that I have is, you know, over the last uh, 35 plus years, uh, the, the, the term that comes to mind is globalization. I think there's been a significant change in uh, business over the last uh, few decades. And I, I can summarize that with globalization. And to a large extent, that was uh, uh, facilitated by the Internet. Uh, so, uh, for example, we've got businesses now that can operate out of their home, but have an extensive reach, not only within their local community, but in a variety of other states, if not a variety of other countries. And so there's been a significant move in globalization over the last few decades, but that in turn has created more complexities as well as a whole host of changes in tax laws that have been put in place to respond to that globalization. Uh, Complexities associated with accounting principles that have been implemented and changes in tax laws. So for example, you've got that little company maybe based in Colorado that working out of their home, but now they have a more global reach. a number of years ago, they didn't have to be concerned too much about uh, sales and use taxes, but we've had a change in tax law with, with respect to the Supreme Court case of uh, Wayfair, and that has put a whole host of additional requirements on these smaller organizations, which never had to contemplate, do I have sales tax liability in some other state? Well, now they do, and that added complexity has just added to the additional requirements of of individuals that are familiar with that to be able to advise and uh, is leaving open to exposure uh, liabilities to these small organizations that don't recognize the tax implications that they're uh, getting into because of their operations, because of these changes in laws. No, exactly. And it's it's like you knew that you were on a, a podcast called Saltivation. 
with that answer. Do you find with some of your students that it might be easier to explain some of that because it like it feels more tangible to them where they see maybe potential like sales tax showing up on invoices or you know do you see any of that wide view of kind of like marketplaces and all that something that like your students can relate to or make sense of versus kind yeah. of this more of like a a an overarching thing of like oh well a tax revision you're talking about deferreds and or you know and current expenses and all that that this seems more tangible to to the youths out there <laughs> One of the uh, focuses we have at our university and that I can I, I really try to bring into the classroom is the practical application associated with all of these rules and tax laws and so forth. So uh, it's not just a nebulous conversation about, oh, we've got to pay sales and use tax, but let's get into the nitty gritty and talk about what does that physically look like? Let's pull up an actual, I, I was doing bank reconciliations in my fundamental uh, accounting class this morning. And so it's, let's actually pull up a an example of what the bank statement actually looks like and why we have outstanding checks. Because some of these students don't bother reconciling their own account. They're just using a debit card and it comes out and they never really know how much is in there. So there is no reconciliation. And so, uh, uh, but very, from a very practical standpoint, trying to work with them and make sure that they understand when you get out into business, these are the uh, particular procedures and processes that are put in place to maintain control and to ensure the integrity of our overall financial statements. Yeah, and I, and I think, Dan, uh, I see, I actually teach state and local tax to masters of tax students at uh, the University of Texas at Arlington, and I definitely see an awareness. Um, you know, it's an elective class to, to all these students, but there is definitely an awareness of, you know, the globalization, right? Like, they get the internet. They grew up in this, you know, internet age, and um, when I bring up the word marketplace, a lot of them... Um, the light bulb comes on and they talk about, oh yeah, is like Etsy a marketplace? Because I have an account and, and I, you know, it's almost like, yes, you already get it. Um, so my goal when I'm, you know, teaching or speaking to these students is to help them identify those issues associated with this new globalization of, you know, how the business world works and interacts now. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think the more practical application that we can present to the students, it's going to put them in a better position to be able to apply those concepts once they get out and enter into the into the business world. Now, I think, you know, we've there's been some articles, some publications, maybe, you know, both Dan, you and Tram have seen this from like an enrollment perspective. You know, do you think maybe kind of this real world application that you can see might bring people back into the accounting profession? Maybe, probably not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we would like to hope that that's the case. Uh, I, but I, on, on, on the alternative, I would say that some of these complexities are driving some people away from the profession. The fact that there are uh, so many changes in laws, so many complexities that have to be dealt with. Uh, some people just don't want to deal with that. And so uh, they would rather pay somebody else to, to, to 
figure that out, which is great for consultants in the accounting and, and tax realm. Uh, but at the same time, it's at the detriment of a situation where we don't have as many people going into accounting to begin with to focus on those particular areas. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I mean, it's more of a barrier to enter into the profession because it is more complicated and more difficult to achieve you know, some of those career goals and aspirations when things are a lot more complicated. And quite honestly, um, the numbers are not in our favor with, you know, fewer enrollments. So it's like the smaller the population, the fewer, you know, of those students who actually choose to go into accounting. And so definitely I've seen a big slash in enrollment. Um, I mean, I've been teaching for six years now at the university. So I've seen enrollment like in just my class decline over like 50%. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a variety of reasons for declining enrollment. I mean, if you look at it, it's not something that's happened just in the last six years. It's happened over the last 20 or 30 years. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. Uh, One of them is uh, if you look at the traits of uh, of a good accountant it's things like good time management skills attention to detail good organization right those are all good traits of an accountant and those actually are the same traits that are important for somebody that wants to focus in computer computer information systems and so over the last 20 or 30 years, we have people that maybe historically would have gone into accounting, but now they have this whole other world of CIS that's available to them. And so that is pulling people away from accounting because it's those same traits that we want to have within the accounting profession as well. And so they're getting pulled over into into CIS. So I think that's one of the reasons why we have less people going into accounting. Uh, I don't think that the 150-hour requirement for CPAs is beneficial for getting more people. I I agree that it makes sense to have a 150-hour requirement. We want our CPAs to be trusted business advisors. And in order to be a trusted business advisor, we need the the, uh, accounting uh, background uh, that you receive within a undergraduate degree in accounting, but also we want those additional business classes to make a well-rounded, trusted business advisor. And so I, I, I agree with the 150 hours, but I think it's also a limitation for some individuals because, again, I can go into CIS and I don't have to have 150 hours to make a good career in the CIS side, but that is what I need if I want to go into become a, a certified public accountant. Right. It's kind of like a mandatory fifth year, a mandatory extra $30,000 or whatever. Yep. The price of the, you know, the the cost of a year of schooling is. Right. And which, Meredith, I think it's even worse because I've got students that come in and they're like, hey, I don't, need, I don't even want to be here for four years. I'm only going to be here for three years, you know, and do whatever classes I need to take to get my 120 hours and graduate. 
so that I can get out and I can avoid a whole year of education. Well, if that's the case, I mean, a a lot of the students that I see uh, that go into my fundamental accounting class, it's not until their sophomore year. And so they're taking that fundamental accounting class their sophomore year. Well, I've got another, at least another eight or nine classes just in accounting that they need to take in order to graduate with an accounting major. And there's just not enough time if they want to fulfill their requirement within a three-year period. Yeah. So, Dan, are you also seeing, um, this is what in Texas we've been talking about um, in terms of you know, this, the, the limitations and then also other options for students. I mean, you know, some of the competing fields are going to be the finance even, or even data analytics where they don't need that extra year of education. And then in Texas, we have that 150, but I think most states have allowed candidates to, to sit um, when they've had 120 hours, but That's then true. become certified at 150. But in Texas, we are still at 150. Oh, even, even to take set. the exam. Correct. And so, I mean, that's even, you know, a, a, another that's, big that's, hurdle. That's, that's another Extra. limitation. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of states allow you to take the exam after you've finished your undergraduate degree, 120, right. and continue to work towards you know, your, your extra 30 hours. And then again, some states require a master's in accounting. Other states say, Hey, I just need 150 hours. Uh, so we've got a program here, for example, you can get your whole 150 within a four ish year period. You're working pretty hard. You're taking maybe 18, 21 credits every semester. You're doing something over the summer, but it is possible uh, Mm -hmm. to limit that cost. But at the same time, it's another hurdle that a number of individuals don't want to have to overcome in order to excel in the profession. And so I think that's another reason for uh, the the decline in individuals. Uh, I think the other one is, and something we really need to, to work on, is I've got a handful of individuals that come into the university knowing that they're going to be an accounting major. Uh, Really, my only, I have to put on my sales hat and really try to entice them to pull the trigger on an accounting major, but they're not going to know that until after they've taken that first uh, fundamental accounting class. And so I I put on my sales hat and I talk about the uh, benefits associated with the profession. Um, For many of them, they, um, for many of them that ultimately become uh, an accounting major, they do have those traits, those organizational skills, the communication skills, attention to detail, and so forth, and they just get it. And they're like, hey, I can do this. I enjoy it. It's kind of like a big puzzle sometimes. So they like putting the different pieces together and using their critical thinking skills in order to uh, come up with the, the, the answer. And for many of them, that's engaging to them, and they like that. Uh, And if I can get them from going into CIS, then they can be a good accounting major. I mean, ultimately, I want them to go into whatever they need to go into and what's going to be best for their careers. But at the same time, I want to make sure that they understand what the benefits of participating in the accounting profession can provide to them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely see, um, I don't, I'm not sure if you're one of the few or maybe one of the many of 
professors, accounting professors who are kind of the career mentors for students. Because, I mean, I think a lot of the times, you know, when you're younger, um, you know, people talk about different careers and like they want to become a lawyer or they want to become a doctor or a firefighter, or, you know, some of these other more known careers. Um, but then in terms of becoming an accountant, I, I felt like I was recruited by my, uh, he was my advisor in undergrad and he happened to be an accounting professor who encouraged me to go into this path. Otherwise, I'm not sure if I would be in this field if if not, but but for that professor who who did the career mentoring for me. Yeah. So I don't know yeah. if, if that's what you're seeing too or if I, I all of the professors here try to focus on let's look at their capabilities. Do we think that they would be good and could excel in mm -hmm. the accounting world? And if so, let's have a conversation with them. Let's explore the avenue and see whether they're interested in pursuing uh, an accounting degree. Uh, I've got spreadsheets and so forth. I can lay it all out for them. Here's, here's what that timeline looks like. Here's what's going to have to be required. Here's what you need in order to become a certified public accountant. Uh, going through all of the requirements there. So I lay it all out and I tell them, look, it's a lot of work, right? I mean, there's a lot to get done. Uh, and then we've got the CPA exam, right? And that's changing as well. And so we've got to keep up with those additional changes and make sure that they know what's coming down the pike so that they can uh, respond to those needs as well. No, that, that's awesome that you're you're doing that. I mean, I think that's a critical piece of, you know, the, the, the pipeline, if you want to call it the pipeline of yeah, the accountants. So yeah, no, that's great. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.